0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: It has been a good year for us here at Ninth Avenue. A lot of great and positive things have happened. We have seen a very fair amount of growth from the beginning of year of the year to the end of the year. Um, and if you are part of that growth, that you weren't with us uh, this time last year, thank you so much for for being here now. And if you were here with us this time last year, thank you for still being here. Um, it is just great to see how God is blessing us. And I know that we are just on the cusp of, of the blessings, that we have gone through a couple of years of challenges, like every other um, church and organization in the world with COVID. Uh, a few years ago, we've come out of that. We have come out of that. Uh, really, I believe in a better place than maybe even when we started. And I thank God for that. And I thank you for all of the hard work and effort that you have put into um, making this a growing church. And that is what we want to continue to be as a growing church that is out in our community, making a difference, showing the uh, the love of Jesus. And hopefully that opens doors so that we can share the message of the cross Uh, That's what we're called to do, that's what God wants us to do, and that's what we are going to try to do um, even as we roll into a new year. Just because it was a great year doesn't mean we slow down. We keep going, we keep pushing, we keep serving, and I know that this group of believers will continue in that way. So thank you for all that you've done in this previous year, and I'm looking forward, oh man, I'm looking forward to the next year. Uh, Let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to jump into our last lesson from the book of Ephesians. God, we thank you so much for the chance to just be here this morning. We thank you for um, the holiday seasons that we've uh, been able to go through and are still going through, God. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, be reminded of the wonderful um, gift that is your son. Uh, We thank you for the renewal that comes this time of year, that no matter what's happened in our past, that we can uh, look at a new year and realize that it's a new opportunity it is, it is a new chance for us to do great things, God. Help us to know that our life with you is that way. That because of grace and forgiveness, God, our, our slate is wiped, wiped clean when we, when we follow you, when we become your children, when we are baptized, God, and that we have the ability to receive that renewal anytime time that we fall short. That you will forgive us, uh, that you will show us mercy and grace, you will help us up, and that we can continue to walk in a positive direction with you. Help us to walk in that direction every day, God. Help us as we open up this last lesson from Ephesians, God, that we, we make sure that every morning we get up and we put on the right outfit, that we put on our armor, that we are prepared for the day and the challenges and struggles uh, that might come. Um, when they come our way, God, help us to be prepared. Let us, let us walk away with that preparedness this morning. Thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for his sacrifice, God, and all that he has given us because of that sacrifice. Our hope, our assurance, God, may we live in that every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 will wrap up our study of the book of Ephesians together. I thank you for sticking with me as we have gone through it. There were some passages that because of timing and schedule we kind of moved around on and and didn't always cover everything, but that gives us the opportunity to come back at a later time to look at some things and to fill those gaps in and some room for you to do some studying on your own. Let's just kind of jump in this morning and let's read our text together and then we'll back up and we will talk about some things. He starts and he's really giving the climax of everything that's kind of he's talked about. He's moved to this point and really this is the most familiar part of the book of Ephesians and maybe I believe the argument could be made to being one of the most familiar parts of any of Paul's writings. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. All right, let's back up and let's let's begin to, to talk about some of these things. It's really easy when we get into this particular section I believe, to jump straight to the parts of the armor because they are such a big part of, <laughs> excuse me, of this section. But I believe he sets it all up in the first couple of verses here in kind of verse 10 and 11. He, he gives us the reason for the armor in the first place. Really, if you rewind... Back to something we talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the idea of of changing clothes or putting on a new outfit once we become children of God. And this is kind of the moment where he says, this is the outfit that I have for you. This is the outfit that you need to change into. And I I believe that maybe we we really want it to just be something comfortable. We want it to be something that... um, that we enjoy wearing, the truth of it is, I would imagine that most of us would not be comfortable really wearing a suit of armor all day, every day. That would not be our choice of of wardrobe every day. But he comes in here and he says, look, we got to understand we are in the middle of something here. We're in the middle of a struggle and we have to be ready for everything that Satan throws at us. And if we're ready, if we're prepared, then then we're not going to have a whole lot to worry about. Yeah, there's some things we need to be some concerned with. We need to pay attention. He's talked about that already. Be careful then, you know, how you walk. Watch where you're going. You know, don't live, you know, as foolish. You know, live as wise. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But he's like, now this is what we're getting ready for. This is our final stance as brothers and sisters together as children of God. So he starts off, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I love that he starts off this way because he reminds us, number one, that we're going to need strength. And usually when someone tells you, if we're going to start off this way, if he says, hey, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, then we know that there's going to be a reason for that strength. We're going to have to face something that we're going to have to have strength to overcome. But he makes it very clear. It's not going to be by our own strength. It's not going to be by our own power. He says for us to be strong in the who? Say that again. Be strong in the, and in what? His mighty power. So be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And so what I'm what I'm seeing here, what, what Matthew sees, okay, what Matthew feels um, about this verse is basically he's saying, understand where you need to plant your feet. All right? Understand where you need to stand in this moment. Because where you stand, the, the ground in which you stand on is vital to your ability to fight. Having a solid foundation to stand on. And he says, your foundation, before you ever put on any of the armor, you've got to understand that you can have on all the armor in the world. But if you try to fight on your own, if you try to stand on your own, if you try to stand away from God, away from his people, away from his mighty power, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fail. David did that. Remember David's story? Where was David the night that he saw bathsheba bathing where was he standing somewhere he really wasn't supposed to a lot of a lot of scholars say that the proper place for a king when all of his men are off at battle is where off at battle. That's what a lot of kings would do. Where's David? David has removed himself from the place that he's supposed to be. He's put himself in a situation that is not what God maybe wanted for him in that moment, not what God expected of him in that moment. And because he was standing on his own power, on his own strength, what did he do? He fell. We see stories of that after story after story in Scripture. We've seen examples of that in people that we love over and over. And all of us, let's just be real, all of us have had our moments where we've tried to stand on our own and what has happened, we fall. And we're going to do it. It's just human nature. It's human nature. We get comfortable. We we get so comfortable standing on God's power that we go, oh, I can do Look, I've got this. I can do this. And we step out on our own. And we're okay for a moment. But the moment Satan knows that we're out there by ourselves, that we're trying to do it on our own, he goes, that's the one I'm going after. So let's make sure that we... Understand, this whole conversation starts with making sure we're standing in the right place, that we're grounded in the right thing, that we don't do this on our own. We don't do this on our own strength. That doesn't mean we don't put forth effort. And I think that can get lost in this sometimes. We, we still have to put forth effort. We still have to work. We still have to push. We still have to be involved in the process. But we understand that when I feel like I'm giving out, and I still keep going, that's God. That's God's power. That's God's strength. When I'm empty, but I still push, that's God saying we've got this together. And so make sure we're grounded in the right place and drawing our strength from the right power, his mighty power. Then in verse 11, he says, once you've gotten that understood, he says, now you go and you put on the full armor of God. And I'm glad that he says the full armor of God because there's some of us There's some of us that would only wear that which is comfortable, right? There's some of us that would go, you know what, that shield's really heavy. I'm just not going to worry about that today. I really am not a big fan of the sword. You know, that could hurt somebody. I'm just, I'm not going to, that helmet doesn't, it's going to mess my hair up. You know, It, it doesn't fit real well. So I'm just not, you know, we would come up with excuses to to not wear, and we still do anyway, even though he's told us, but he's making it clear, look, this is a full commitment. This is a full commitment. And we we have to understand that, and we've talked about that through this particular study, that God's not making us do any of this, right? God's not making us be children of His. God's not making us receive His grace. We do all of this voluntarily, And what he's saying is, what he's trying to give us here is like, if you're signing up for this, understand that this is what you're going to have to do to succeed. This is what you're signing up for, being strong and being fully committed into all of this. So so he says, put on the full armor of God. And there's a specific reason for that, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. If you ever get to that point in your life and you're just like, man, I just fuck the devil knocks me down every time I turn around. He's just really after me right now. Well, the reason he could be after you is because you're not fully armored up. Because you've slacked off. You go, I don't need this today. I don't need this today. I don't need this today. I'm all right with just a few. He sees that. But if we are fully engaged, fully covered, fully taken care of, we're going to be able to stand against his schemes. Doesn't mean they're not coming, but what does it mean? It means we can stand up against them. And then and then maybe the most important idea I think in this whole section for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, I think this is important for us because we have to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And that phrase is hard for us to maybe understand sometimes because we are people. We are physical people, right? I can reach out and I can touch you and you can touch me and I can hear you. And you can hear me, and I can see you, and you can see me, and, and, and our world works that way. Our world works that way, even with telephones. When we have family that we love that's far off, it's great to hear their voice, isn't it? We're grateful that we can hear their voice, but when we get to see them after a long absence, usually what's one of the first things that we do to them? We want, we hug them, we embrace them, we want to feel them in our presence, because we we live in the tangible right we live in the tangible And so when we begin to talk about spiritual warfare and a spiritual battle, sometimes it's hard for us to admit that those things are real because we live in such a tangible world. We live in such a tangible life. As a matter of fact, it's so hard for us sometimes that even when God is working spiritually in our lives, when He has spiritually done things, we we, we still have a hard time of even giving the positive spiritual all the credit that it deserves. But we live in a spiritual world. As children of God, once we were baptized and once we were, were filled with His Spirit, we are, we are people of two realms. It's almost like we've got one leg in the physical and one leg in the spiritual. And, and, and they both, we, we interact with both. We, we, we have instances with both. But he says, understand that in that spiritual, understand who the enemy really is. I believe the devil has done a great job of convincing us that other people and other things are our enemies and not him. I think in our, in our, in our world of politics today is maybe where I see it the most that Satan has convinced us If you are in this party and not of this party, you're my enemy. If you believe in this and this and this politically and I believe in a different way, you're my enemy. And oh man, our our country is divided with that. In in such a strong way, over so many issues. And some of those issues are spiritual issues. I, I understand that. But he has convinced us that if someone feels different than you, then they're your enemy. But what does he say? He says, for our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. Those people that may feel different than us, that may look different than us, that might act different than us, are not our what? enemies they're not our enemies as a matter of fact they're our neighbors and what does Jesus say that we do to our neighbors we love our neighbors he doesn't say love your neighbor as long as they act like you love your neighbor as long as they like the same football team as you love your neighbor if there's no conditions he says love your neighbor as yourself my dad always says, no one loves Richard more than Richard loves Richard. Any of y'all feel that way? Caleb? Nobody loves Caleb more than Caleb, right? So how high is that bar then when you go, Caleb, love your neighbor as yourself? That's up there. Randy, Boaz, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Well, you might not want Randy to love you, That you get what I'm saying? They're not our enemies. They're people that we love. And when we love people, we share whose love with them. God's. We love them as we love ourselves. So next time you get aggravated or frustrated at a movement or a group of people and you feel that, that urge to feel like they're your enemy, remember Paul says here that flesh and blood's not our enemy. People are not our enemy. Who is our enemy? Satan is our enemy and it is our job not to 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 make those people feel less but to make them feel more with the love of god to try to fill their life with the same spirit that fills us but understand that our battle is against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realm so what do we do then we get into the part that really that really everybody talks about when we get to this particular section He says, make sure you're putting on the right things. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, what does he say? Stand firm then. He keeps going back to this word, and it's just repeated over and over and over. And what is the word? Stand 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 and and I think it is an interesting idea that we're talking about putting on armor we're talking about this idea here but what is our job once we put it on usually when you put on armor you're getting ready to go what fight right but what does he say do once you put your armor on just stand there be ready You don't have to go fight. You don't have to go looking for the fight. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, Satan's going to find you, right? Satan's going to find you. The second thing is this the battle, the war, the war is over. The war was over the day that Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. The war was over. God won. And so now that we are in the arms of God, now that we have salvation in Jesus, and when we become Christians, when we we are baptized and have our sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can know that we are firm in God and that no one can take us out of that position of salvation. No one can. We don't have to go off looking for, for problems. We can just live in God. And I think that about, that's what he's saying. He's saying, stand in God, stand in God. Stand, don't go off looking for things. Know that he's got it all taken care of. But there are going to be moments where Satan's going to take a run at you and be ready for that. And he goes, this is how you're ready for that. He says, it just starts with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. How important is truth? How important is truth? Truth is the ultimate, right? Truth is the ultimate. And and we do. We we live in a culture right now where, where truth seems to be subjective. You live by your own truth. But we know that the Word of God is the ultimate truth. And he says, start out in your life with truth buckled around you. Make sure that it is held tightly to you. It is is close to you, that it is always there, that no matter what else is going on, you can count on, you have truth with you. Then he goes on with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Whose righteousness? Whose righteousness, whose actions, whose life are we trying to mimic here? We're trying to live in the righteousness of God We're trying to put this breastplate on as it covers our most vital organs. It covers our heart. It protects us in that way. Those things that keep us alive. He says, let the righteousness of Jesus protect you and keep you alive and keep you going in your life. He goes, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So he's saying, hey, your footwear is important. Your footwear is so important. Anybody wearing new shoes this morning that you maybe you got for Christmas? The last couple of Sundays, Blair got me a new pair of boots, and the last couple of Sundays I've worn them. I've just worn them on Sunday, the two Sunday mornings. And, man, by the, at the end of that first Sunday, my feet hurt. New shoes take several days to kind of break in. And, uh, and, and then I thought, well, I'll wear them like, you know, the next Sunday, and they won't be as bad. And they were. They were just as bad. And so I, I didn't wear them this morning. Um, but what we, what we put on our feet is important. And he says there's a readiness that comes with the footwear of Jesus. But, but that readiness comes from what? The peace of the gospel. That we know that we can go and we can do what we need to do, that we can live for Jesus, and he's going to take care of us. Because we have on the right footwear that represents the peace that comes from him. Then he goes on and he says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. We've been talking about faith for, for a whole year now in, in different ways and different ideas and different, different directions. But I love that the shield here is such an important thing because it, it, it serves such a vital part. It's almost like our first line of defense in our battle with Satan. It keeps everything from, from really getting... It's, it's something we, we put up in front of Satan to where, where he's, his power is diminished. Our faith diminishes the power of Satan. He goes, what you have the ability to do is when he starts shooting arrows at you, flaming arrows, arrows of doubt... Arrows of concern, arrows of, of full of lies, of deceit. He said, you've got this shield that you put in front of you. How many of you have really ever... One of my favorite things about Roman military um, is is the turtle. How many of you know what the turtle is? If you sit, get online today and type in uh, Roman military reenactments, and, and they have this, um, they'll, they'll have all these videos But you know, these Roman soldiers, they carried these really tall shields. They were tall and they were kind of a half uh, circle. They had leather, they were covered in leather so that you could soak them. And when they shot literal fiery arrows at you, the water would extinguish those arrows, even if they, they stuck into the leather. But what they do is, is they do a turtle, and it's almost like they turn them into a, a human tank. And everybody takes their shield, and if you're standing on the outside, on the left or the right, you hold your shield out to this side. If you're standing in the middle, you hold your shield up above everybody. And of course, if you're in the front, you hold it in front of you. So that as a group, you can walk forward into battle protected. And man, if, there's, if that doesn't preach, I don't know what will. If we all walk into this world together with our armor, with our shield on, my shield does not just protect me. Who else does my shield protect? It Protects you. And your shield protects me. We take care of each other in this way. So make sure your faith is is that strong. That when we walk together, it creates a shield around us. He's going to go on. He says, take the helmet of salvation. Our salvation brings so much peace to us in our life. And he says, let that, I think the imagery of that being on our head, of bringing peace to our thoughts, peace to our concerns, peace to our worries. We don't have to worry about where we're going if we're children of God. If we're children of God and we're walking in the light as he is in the light, all right, we, we don't have to doubt our eternal destination The revelation passage that we read earlier about, you know, that about that new heaven, new earth destination where where he is prepared, preparing, you know, our home for us. We don't have to worry about, well, am I ever going to see it? We can know that that helmet brings that peace in our life because that salvation has us. And then he says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, We're not going and looking for a fight, but ultimately the fight will come. There will be challenges. There will be battles. He says, when they come, be ready, but be ready with the right weapon, not weapons of the world, Not, not thoughts of the world, but the word of who? The word of God. And as long as you're standing on the word of God, you're always standing on the right side. The world may be against you. People may be against you. People may hate you for it but you're always going to be standing in the right place. And then he wraps up. And sometimes this gets left out of of the discussion of of the armor, but but I think it's so important right along with it. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, our our conversation with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit is vital to the whole process. I kind of look at it as getting orders. What good does it do to take a military group and put them out on the battlefield and just say, okay, good luck, and there's no communication? If there's no communication within a group of soldiers, what's more than likely going to happen to them? Are they going to win or are they going to lose that battle? They're going to lose the battle. Here he's saying, look, understand, it's still so important. Even when you're armored up and you feel strong, man, you feel invincible. I'm standing in the power of God. I've got on this outfit that he's given me. I've got my weapon. I've got my shield. I've got my protection. I'm so ready. He says, still remember, it's just as vital, if not more vital, that you continue to pray and to be, be, what does he say? Be alert and always what? Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He says, when you think you've prayed up enough for yourself, you, you don't have anything else to pray about for your own life, for your own needs, for your own salvation, whatever it might be. He says, there's still plenty of prayers to be made on, made for on everybody else's behalf. So just keep on. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. You know, we've all got those people in our family that when we get together at Christmas, you're like, man, they talk all the time. You, you have a talker in your family Are you the talker in your family? I was always the talker in my family. Real shocker, right? No one could ever believe that I would, you know, not quit talking. Matter of fact, before I got up here, Vance, because you've got 20 minutes, you know what he's telling me? In 20 minutes, quit talking. Um, You know, God never gets tired of hearing your voice. God never gets tired of hearing your voice. As a matter of fact, why does he say right here, keep talking to me? Don't ever stop. What he doesn't like is silence in the relationship. He wants you to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. Because the more we talk to God, the more focused we are on where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish, what needs to be done, where I need to be, where my struggles might be, where the next attack might be coming from. As long as I'm focused on God and having those conversations, I am, I am, I'm being alert, right? I'm being alert and I'm being aware of what is around me. And, and then this, you know, we, we, get a, we get a small personal statement from Paul. And, and I'm glad he puts this in here because I believe, and, and maybe rightfully so, I don't know. We take people like Paul and man, we put them on our spiritual Mount Rushmore, don't we? And I mean, Paul is Paul, right? I mean, if you've been in church for 30 seconds... You're going to hear about Paul. He, he's up there. He, he wrote, you know, half of the New Testament. He wrote most of everything that we teach and believe comes from the pen of Paul. But what does Paul say? He says, "Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the God, or make known the mystery of the gospel." How many of you would ever think that Paul would struggle with sharing the gospel? that he would have moments where, where he's like, man, the only way I can do this is through your prayer, It's through God's strength. And I'm so glad he puts this little tidbit about him in there because for me, it brings him back down to my level to realize he's just a man. Now, he's living in the strength of God in a powerful way. Yes, he is. But he has the same struggles I have. He has the same fears I have. And he's saying, hey, as you're praying, pray for me that I can continue to serve in the way that I need to serve, that I can be effective in the way that I need to be effective, so that I won't back down from these moments. And and, 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 and he just kind of continues, you know, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We're coming into the close of a year and a new one tomorrow. I mean, it's just a day. It's just today. Stan Watson told me something a couple of years ago on my birthday. He said, you're not really a year older today. You're just a day older. And maybe that will help you too as you, as you age. You're just a day older. Tomorrow's just another day. It's just the next day, Lord willing, that we live it. But maybe it's the day that you decide to wake up in your faith. And you decide to serve in ways you've never served before. You, you've decided to finally put on the full armor of God, and to line up in battle with the rest of your brothers and sisters and say, I'm here, and I'm ready to make this commitment. It's it's just another day. But for some reason, when the calendar turns, it feels new. It feels different. It feels clean. Let that newness be full of Jesus. Let it be full of his mighty power and of his calling of you this morning and live in this new year in a way you've never lived before. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence this morning, for the opportunity to hear the words of Paul, to read these words, God, to be challenged with them, help us to live in them, and to to be grounded in your mighty power this morning as we walk away from this lesson, from this time of worship, from this singing, from our time of communion and prayer. God, we're just grateful for all that you do for us. May we may we find excitement in today, in being with each other, with being with one another. Be with us as we fellowship with one another, God. Let us grow closer to each other as this day goes on. Help us, Lord, to take up your cross daily, every day, as we turn the page of our calendars, as we look into the newness of a new year. Let us live this new year with a conviction that we've never had before. Each and every one of us, let us grow into a better Christian each and every day. Thank you, God, for all that you do. It's in Your Son's name, we pray.
0: Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Well, Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember to love love like Jesus.